First King chapter 19. I'm going to read just nine verses of scripture. Uh, the New Living Translation says this, when Ahab got home, this is the king of Israel, he told Jezebel, his wife, a Sidonite, everything that Elijah, the prophet of Jehovah God, had done, and including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal, which is an idol false god. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, the chief prophet of God of all of Israel. She said, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just like you killed them. Elijah, who had just killed these 450 prophets <laughs> on Mount Carmel, if you go with me to Israel, I will take you there. You will understand this unlike you've ever understood it before. Elijah is now afraid of this woman and feared for his life. I don't mean that like sexist. I don't mean that like she's a woman. Why are you afraid of her? I, I, I'm trying to just exasperate here that he's gone from a real high high and he's beginning to slip into a real low low. He went to Bathsheba, which is a town in Judah. He literally leaves Israel and goes to the southern kingdom of Judah. And he left his servant there who would have been Elisha. Then he went alone into the wilderness. He traveled there all day and he sat under, look at this wording, a solitary broom tree. The passage is getting darker by the moment. Wildernesses are already barren places. And in the middle of this barren place, he finds this one solitary broom tree. And this is what he said to God. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than any of my ancestors. One moment, he's king of the mountain. The next moment, he's afraid in a wilderness, suicidal, ready to die. Then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, God began to intervene and an angel touched him and told him, get up and go back to work. No, get up and get on social media. No, get up and get you something to eat. He looked around and there beside him by his head was some hot bread that had been baking on some stones and there was a jar of water and he ate and he drank and he lay back down again then the angel of the Lord touched him and said get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you so he got up and he ate and he drank again and the food gave him enough strength so that he could travel 40 days and 40 nights till he got to Mount Sinai. Does anyone know what Mount Sinai is? There's eight, eight, and I won't preach on them today, eight historical mountains in the scriptures that all have enormous spiritual meanings, implications. Mount Sinai is the tabernacle. It is, it, is the, it is the holy place before the tabernacle is in the earth, before the holiest of holies existed on the Ark of the Covenant. This is where God literally met with man. It's where God met with Moses, where the table of commandments came from. He had to travel 40 days and 40 nights till he got there to the mountain of God. Then he came to a cave and he spent the night there. And then the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Man, I'm excited to get an opportunity today to, to develop this thought that, that God cares enough about where you're at to confront you and say, what are you doing here? 
What, what, what are you doing here geographically? What are you doing here relationally? What are you doing here mentally? What are you doing here spiritually? Like, hey, it's not okay that you're in a place that I didn't send you to. What are you doing here? What, what are you doing here? Father, I, I pray today that, um, that you will. I, I listened to Glenn Barrett, the superintendent of the United Kingdoms, um, listen to what God is doing in the UK. It, it just, it jazzed me up for Europe. God, I, I thought churches there were in decline, mainstream denominations are. I had no idea that Pentecostal churches were on the move across the United Kingdom. And the revelation that you gave Glenn Barrett when he was a boy is religion had taught him that you were the God of I am not. And then one day you revealed to him that you were the God of I am, I will. I can. And God, as I posted yesterday, we're going to tackle a, a tough subject. Mind matters, mental health awareness. It's more than character traits. It's, it's, it's more than genetics passed down. It's more than learned behavior. God, we're, we're going to tackle this from a perspective of faith. We're going to tackle this from a perspective of what the Bible has to say, what are real-world solutions, what, what you've provided in the earth to help your people navigate these tough and lonely roads. But God, here's what I know. At the end of the day, you are. You will. You are a deliverer. You will set people free. You can make things new. And all I pray that somehow today is that people would feel cared for, that, that people would sense you in a new way in maybe the deepest place of their hopelessness that, that they've kept everyone out from, and that, God, people would walk away with the belief and the faith and the hope and the optimism to experience your miracle working power that truly brings change. Pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you put your hands together for Pastor Chad and let him know how much you love him and the worship team. I'm going to just set this right there. I won't be preaching over here. Oh, you take it with you. I'll be getting a purchase order if that turns over, I'm sure. Um, a little bit of context, just because I'm a Bible study nut and a buff, a historian. Um, I've already said some of this, but I just want you to understand the passage of Scripture that we're talking about today. Elijah is the chief prophet. And what I mean by the chief prophet is, is when Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, two people appear to him. When he takes Peter, James, and John, two people appear as he's being transfigured from his human form into his glorified form. Do you know who those two people were? Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. This is the lawgiver and the chief prophet that birthed the prophetic ministry in Israel, testifying both that this man is Christ, the son of the living God. Elisha, under his ministry, rose up Elisha. He started the school of ministry in the Old Testament. Elisha is the chief prophet for Jehovah God, the one true God of heaven and earth, but he's in the land of Israel. Now, if you don't know anything about the 12 tribes of Israel, you don't understand that the 12 tribes did exactly what America did. They divided north and south. And in a sense, I'm not saying this fits perfectly, but in a sense, the 10 northern tribes became very liberal. They got away from true temple worship. They set up their own altars. They set up their own priests. And over time, kings that were not of the Davidic bloodline were appointed by men. And those kings slipped from serving God 
until we get to the time of Ahab and his Sidonian wife, Jezebel, who you know as a controller or a manipulator, or if you live in the South, Jezebels are hoochie mamas, <laughs> right? That's not even what the Bible says about her. She wasn't like that at all. She was, she was just a puppet master. She was just a manipulator. She was, she was pulling the strings of Ahab's heart controlling the kingdom, and she wanted Jehovah God gone. He was boring to her. He was too strict for her. He was too straight-laced for her, and she wanted to introduce the Baal gods, which then opened up all types of practices that she had practiced her entire life as a young girl. As this process is going on, they live in the capital headquarters of Ephraim, Samaria, in the mountains. They rule there. The time period is 900 years prior to Jesus, all right? So I'm just, just letting you know it's nearing the end of the 10 tribes of Israel's demise where they become the 10 lost tribes of Israel as you know them today. They got so far away from God, no one knows where the 10 lost tribes are still today. They're scattered abroad. However, Ahab and Jezebel have one nemesis. <laughs> His name is Elijah, and this duel takes place. And if you go to Israel, again, we've got one last spot, shameless plug. Had, had somebody with a medical issue drop out. If you want to go, got one last spot, one last spot, we'll get you in. But I'll take you up, we'll take you up to Mount Carmel, and you'll see where this encounter happened between Elijah and the 450, listen to me, 450 false prophets of the Baal gods. And basically, Elijah says, hey, here's what we'll do. You call on the name of the Lord, your God. And if he answers by fire, I'll serve him. I'll call on the name of my God. And if he answers by fire, then let it be known. Everyone in Israel should serve him. Elijah is a prophet for God in a hostile nation, in a hostile time, in a hostile land where nobody wants to hear about God. So he challenges them to a duel. You'll see that in order for them to get water, they would have had to go way, 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 way down to the streams in order to bring water back up to soak the altar. They begin to cut themselves. They begin to cry out, begging for attention of the false gods. He never answers. Elijah is a little carnal like me. And he says, oh, maybe your God's taking a number two. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's preoccupied. He said, I tell you what, go get some more water and dig a trench around the altar. And when there's so much water on the wood that the trench is actually full, I'll just call on the name of Jehovah God. Fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes the sacrifice. And Elijah pulls out a sword. And listen to me. Himself personally kills 450 false prophets. <laughs> he cleaned house that day. Ain't never been a house cleaning like that in all himself. David would have somebody do it. David was part mafia. Elisha said, I'm doing it myself. I want you to understand that he is coming off in this passage, one of the greatest highs, not only recorded in, I mean, this is up there next to the Red Sea parting. This, this is up there. This is really a high high for this man of God. The next thing that we see, as I'm going to mention a little bit more later, is, is after this climax in his life, all of the sudden, he begins to, to slowly drift. Has, has anybody ever noticed that after a great victory comes a great attack? Anybody ever experienced that? Like, man, things are going so great, man, breakthroughs, and then all of a sudden, bam, 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 bam. 
and like, hold on, I thought I was your favorite, God. I, th- I, thought, I thought you were for me. <laughs> and Felicia Stravada's going, bam, 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 bam. Everybody stretch your hands out over Michael and Felicia, just pray for them. I, 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 I read sign language. Listen, over the last decade, um, there's been a greater awareness because more people are talking about it because there's widespread conversations, even within the church today, which is refreshing, about mental health, mental health awareness, mental health illnesses. You know, you know what used to happen, right? This existed, but nobody knew anything about it. So everybody said, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Pull yourself together by your bootstraps. Get, what's wrong with you? You know, guys used to come back from the war and they would say, oh, they're shell-shocked. Well, that always made me think like they were next to a bomb when it went off. I I didn't know what PTSD was until I lived through some traumatic experiences. I used to wake up in the middle of the night, not just dreaming I was falling, wake up in the middle of the night tremendously overwhelmed that I was still in prison, that I I was still living, that I was in the middle of a gunfight at 14 years old in a drive-by shooting in Sunset Acres in Shreveport, Louisiana, where a young girl's knee was blown off, a young man's head was blown off. He was 19 years old. He went to Airline High School. He was murdered. And a lady had a heart attack whose house that had happened all in front of, and she died. I I used to wake up dreaming sometimes that I was in prison for that, 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 Justice was finally certain. Now, I, I didn't do that. I was there, but I didn't do that. I'm just making it clear. There's no statute of limitation on capital punishment. I was there. I was 14. <laughs> the truth of the matter is the Bible is filled with classic examples, both men and women, experiencing tremendous mental health battles. Has anybody ever gone through a mental health battle in this room? I know we went to conference last year with our dear friends, CMN, and and I can't remember Pastor Sean's last name. I think it's Sean Johnson from Red Rock Church, and and he came out and talked about anxiety. We're going to maybe talk about anxiety depending on how far I get today with some of this information, but over the next several weeks, we're going to dive deep, and and I just remember my staff, our staff at Oaks Church, when we walked away from session that night, they were all like, and I was like, why, what's going on? They were like, okay, I just feel much better now knowing it's not only me. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, man, I have been dealing with so much anxiety, set up, tear down cords, cables, wires, pressure, people, delivery, deadline schedules, meetings, budgets. I mean, like there's so many, and then family and then kids and then business and then health issues and insurance. And there's so many, and I'm like, golly, I didn't realize you were dealing with two. And I'm thinking, don't talk about it because I don't want you to know I got that going on. And then it was like we just had a marshmallow roasting kumbaya around. Man, we're a bunch of stressed out people trying to do something for God, all dealing with anxiety. And there was a freedom in it. Some of our staff the last two weeks, Jared, two months, Jared Winkler and JP Upchurch never get highlighted or put in the limelight. Man, they've given two of the greatest staff devos about some of this to our staff in the last couple of months that, that is shedding more light. I just love that people are talking about it. You know stuff loses its power when you talk about it? I just, I just love that. My hope today is very simple. Look, I, I'll quit reading in just a moment. I just need to make sure I get these thoughts right is to just bring awareness to this conversation. And number two, this is my job, show you what the Bible offers as direction and as solutions as God's children. Um, From the above passage, here's some thoughts from Pastor Chad 
Um, we see that Elijah, it could be said, Dr. Courtney Brazier's in this room. She's one of our staff members. Love her to death. You correct me if any time I'm wrong. Uh, counselor Michael Stravada. Brooke is a, is, a, is a counselor as well. How many other counselors, mental health professionals, are, are people, Audrey, who, who, I don't know. What's your name, sweetie? Okay, I can't see you over there. What's your name? If, if at any point in time, I don't tell it right scientifically or medically, you just give me a little grace. We'll correct the heresy later. <laughs> it's my intention to get it right. I know the Bible. I don't know about mental health other than my own journey and battle with, with mental health stresses and strains and, and, and pressures. But here's what I do know. Having the opportunity to talk with Dr. Courtney and to talk to some of our staff and to learn from my own life's experiences, I would say Elijah in this one passage is fighting depression. He, he's fighting loneliness. And, and we see a dramatic swing in his mood predicated off of the circumstances of his life. Has, has anybody ever experienced high highs? Anybody ever experienced low lows? You, you, have you ever met somebody that day to day when you talk to them? Don't you look at me like that. Don't you look at me. I, I see what you're doing. You say, yep, I sure do. <laughs> you, John Skipworth. Okay, so just so we're all clear, you we're talking about me today, not you. I'll just preach about me. And if, it, if, it, if the shoe fits, buy you a pair of them and wear them. We see that Elijah has got this high, high, this low, low, these dramatic mood swings predicated based off of the circumstances of his life, and, and today there is a clinical term for that, and I, I, I don't want you to get in the habit of just, oh, just, you, you're not a doctor, you're, you're not a counselor, you don't need to self-diagnose, we're going to talk about that later, this high highs and low lows and clinical diagnoses are two different things, but, but from this passage of scripture, let, let me just be clear, I almost think we are getting to see God being true and transparent and see that this great prophet was a little bit bipolar. He, he, he was a little bit bipolar. I'm going to talk about that more to come now that we've introduced that term, being bipolar. Check this out. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. And as you can tell, I'm in no hurry today. I'm in my sweet spot. I'm in the pocket. I love this. We're going to marinate here for a while, the next few weeks. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Kings 19 and 4. Then he went alone into the wilderness. He traveled all day to get as far in isolation, solitude as he could find. And then he sat symbolically, spiritually under this solitary broom tree. And he said, God, just take my life. Just, I've had enough. Anybody ever said I've had enough? Now, now listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to open the can to are you suicidal, are you depressed? Uh, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just, has, has anybody ever said, it's too much, I'm overwhelmed, it's, 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 I've had enough. Check out what happens in the same chapter. It's not in the passage that I'm sharing this morning. It's six verses down. Elijah replied, after the Lord began to question him, he said, all right, you ready for this? I have zealously served you, the Lord God Almighty, all the days of my life. I'm, I'm getting that vibe of the older brother in Luke chapter 15 when the prodigal comes home and then the older brother's mad. Like, why are you welcoming these people to church? Why are you letting them come in? Why are you letting them serve? Why are you predicate, placating to them? I've been here all my life. I made straight A's. I did everything right. Give me some spotlight. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing 
that spirit right here that so like I have served you all the days of my life. Check this out. But the people of Israel, in spite of my service, have rebelled against your covenant. They've torn down your altars. And they've even gone so far as to kill all your prophets. Let's just contextualize what Elijah is saying here. Elijah is saying is, I have served you, Pop, for naught. I have labored for you. I have worked for you. I've been ridiculed for you. I've been persecuted for you. I've experienced hard circumstances. And it was for nothing. He's seeing things from a human perspective, from his own point of view. I did all this, I went through all this, and everything's still messed up. The marriage still stinks. The checkbook's still a wreck. The kids are still crazy. Hello, somebody. Anybody got crazy kids in here? Am I preaching to the right place? Or you may be one of them crazy kids. Check out what he says. And I am the only one left. <laughs> Woo! Don't you ever get to that, I'm the only one doing it right. I'm the only one really in love with you. I'm the only, don't you get there. I'm telling you, you get there. I'm telling you, you're going to see a side of God you ain't seen yet. <laughs> God, God will expand your perspective if you get that haughty spirit. I'm the only one. And now they're trying to kill me too. Kill me too. Here's a, here's a couple of insightful truths on this topic that I want to share with you today. Number one, uh, they're going to throw this up on the screen. Give me a talking point for a few minutes here. Great highs are often followed by great lows. I have already torn this passage of scripture apart, so I don't want to walk you back through those verses. Just, just throw them up on the screen, but I'm going to show you another example that proves this point by scripture repeating itself. We see this Great highs are often followed by great lows in the, verses, the first four verses of 1 Kings 19. We see that Elijah goes from this high, high. He's on the mountaintop. He's basically upended the wicked agenda of the world in the kingdom solely with his own hand in one day. Like, this isn't, you want a, 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 a world title. <laughs> Many of you know on a, on a side note, just rabbit trail for a second. I have over the last four years gotten extremely um, involved um, with, I guess you would say, fitness and health and diet and nutrition. And, and as I do with everything in my life, when I get into something, I really get into it. <laughs> and I was, I was doing some research the other day, which I've been doing a lot of. Uh, thank you so much, Bradley Henson. Where you at in here today? Shout out. If you need a workout plan, see my boy. Man, he has got me sore this week. Um, I found out that Arnold Schwarzenegger, back in the day, won 14 world titles for Olympic bodybuilding. Seven times Mr. Olympia. No one in history has ever done that, nor will anyone in history ever repeat that feat. This is not he won one world title. Elijah has been used of God to do something no one else will ever do. And then on the heels of this great victory, man, life came together. We bought a house. I started a business. Our bank account was full. Then all of a sudden, Felicia Stravato, right after that, boom, 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 boom. We used to say this in the old days with people that are charismatic, people that are gifted, people that are orators or great speakers or have a way with people. 
God, I pray that their charisma won't take them to a place in their life that you have not built character under them to keep them. I I think this is a little bit of of what I'm trying to get at right now, not so much with Elijah, but with you. You may see God move in your life. You may see God change. I just think of my friend, uh, Ty Noel. Where are you at, Ty? Man, all of a sudden delivered. His health's coming back together. Got a great, strong, faith-based relationship. Gets a job coaching his dream I mean just his family I see him in town I see his brother at the gym and they're like you have no idea the miracles that God's done in my brother's life in the last six months in the last year but at the same time while I'm watching God bless you and watching God take you to the high I'm also praying that you're putting some roots down like we say in Oaks Church so it takes deep roots to grow and to go to new heights you're gonna have to weather some storms if somebody comes against you in the school or if the finances take a bad turn or if something else happens that creates opposition I don't want to see you just living on the blessing and be so spiritually anemic that you can't stand and withstand and the hard times of life I don't want that for anybody here. And, and I think what Elijah shows us is that he gets this high, and then when he experiences the low, this man of God, who is the leader of the prophetic movement in the nation, he knows God better than anybody. Seven recorded miracles in the Bible. <laughs> Taps out when a woman threatens his life and says, God, just kill me. I'm ready to go. Nobody else here cares. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that sounds like a slippery slope that sounds like a big slide but the truth of the matter is you'll walk out of here this afternoon at two o'clock you'll be saying some dumb statement in your mind that sounds just like that you were on the mountaintop of God this morning God was moving in your life things were happening in your family and by Tuesday I quit (laughs) forget you take it all back I'm trying to preach to some people this morning that really want to be vulnerable mountaintops and valleys let's say it that way we won't say high highs and low lows mountaintops and valleys that that'll probably suit you a little bit more mountaintops and valleys are a normal part of the believer's life listen to this Jesus goes down to the Jordan River 50,000 people listen to me Josephus writes it in history the temple was empty Nobody was in Jerusalem worshiping. The reason the scribes and the Pharisees came out questioning John is they had no parishioners. They were all down on the seashore at the Jordan watching this crazy man, this Jimmy Swaggered, uh, this Jimmy Hendrix, if you will, of his day, camel's hair and a leather belt, water baptizing people nobody had ever even been water baptized before they were furious with him and while this movement of revivals going on on the pages of new testament history all of a sudden this long lean galilean starts walking through the crowd and the seas of people part and the spirit of god starts descending and john says i gotta decrease because he's about to increase i don't care if they all go away because he's about to be lifted up I'm not worthy to light his sandals for him. And he says, this is the one who takes away the sin of the world. (laughs) What an introduction. John, would you like to travel with me on the road and introduce me everywhere I go the exact same way? We've got a guy in our church here that's from South Africa. 
I'm going to find him. If you're here today, you find me. You are going to do the intro for our podcast. You are now listening to the podcast of Oaks Church with that South African accent. I mean, this is the greatest introduction ever. And then, cherry on top. Boop. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All of a sudden, the voice of the Father in heaven gives him a shout out and the heavens part and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. You want to talk about mic drop preaching. You want to talk about movement, earth shaking, mountaintop, baby. <laughs> Turn one little page in your Bible. Chapter four, verse one. Now Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 40 days. You ain't who God said you were. You can't do what John said you will do. You are destined just to be hungry for power. All of these attacks against his identity, against his claim, he can't sustain himself. He's fasting, but he has a spiritual nutrition. He's got a spiritual regiment from God where the Holy Spirit is giving him the ability to fight this spiritual attack, to control his thought process, to control his own lust, to control his own desires in his body until he ends up whipping the devil's tail and the devil had to leave him for a more opportune time. That would be a good memo for the enemy to put in the kingdom of hell about your address. Leave him alone. Last time I was there, he served me an eviction notice. Last time I was beaten up on him, he ran me out of his marriage. He ran me out of his home. He ran me. Find somebody else to pick on. That's not the right one to pick a fight with. Ha ha. Low, low. And the life of Jesus. One verse later. <laughs> this is my beloved son. You ain't who you think you are. Mm. The Bible's full of them. Mountaintops and valleys. If we took time, we could even dig up more. I just want to have a little bit more of a discussion today before we start running out of time um, to talk about the word, the term that I used earlier, the clinical term. I want to just, just bring awareness I'm not preaching this just bring some awareness to what it what it means clinically to struggle with bipolar disorder listen to me mental illness should not be treated as taboo within the church mental illness is not at odds with the christian faith there are a lot of christian people of the christian faith that struggle with mental illness listen to me when loving others with a mental illness, a bipolar disorder, people that are diagnosed with this, a little understanding that I can help you with today, doctors have helped me, will go a long way in helping you relate to them. Being bipolar is not a mood. It's not a she's in one. It's not a he's on one. It's not a I wish he would turn the light switch up and be high today. Listen to me, it is an imbalance of neurotransmitters, there are five of them, in the human brain. There are different categories of struggling with high highs and low lows, mountaintops and valleys, bipolar disorders, which vary in degrees of manic episodes. Let, let's just talk about 
some of these episodes, all right? Mania. <laughs> i never forget about 10 years ago, I cannot remember the commercial, and I'm not advocating for this, but there was a, a, a commercial that came on TV, and I was in denial at this point. Like, I was able to hide under the umbrella of my weekly flow without ever having to address this in my life because this is how the week in the life of a preacher flows. Real high highs and then real low lows. And, and so I never had to address it. I, I didn't even know what it was at the time. And we were watching TV. I, I'll never forget Brooke. I was like, help me, counsel me. Tell me. She was like, Lord, no. You don't work on people you're married to. She was like, and you need different kind of help than I can. So we're laying there one night watching TV and this commercial comes on and this guy is awake at like two o'clock in the morning and he's like mowing the grass. He's like building this house of cards on the, and she was like, I was like, what? And she was like, our neighbors hate you. <laughs> like, like that. this is you. You would be in a mania, not even knowing I was in a mania. Awareness, knowledge, Jeff Edwards, is power. Self-recognition is the key to some of the stuff. Realizing that you are there when you, I, I said, Brooke, I'm sanguine, I'm happy-go-lucky. She said, what? <laughs> you are not sanguine. You are happy-go-lucky if everything, everything. Did you see me stop and pick up this piece of paper when I walked up here on this platform? Because in order for me to preach, that paper had to be off that floor. She said, you are happy-go-lucky if everything goes your way. But if something don't go your way, you are not happy-go-lucky. I was like, you're lying. She was like, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm like, for real? She's like, for real, for real. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, I've been thinking my whole life I was this guy. <laughs> Only to find out, I had to get in the mirror. I had to get somebody that knew more than me to help me see me. And now the awareness for me, it's knowledge, it's power. It helps me control me. I don't need you to control. I, I, I have the tools and the resources to help me. Listen to me. Mania is high energy. More talkative than usual. Making an overabundance of plans. Typically not requiring much sleep. We're going to talk about a lack of rest. It's not uncommon for a person experiencing hypermania to enjoy increased productivity that can accompany this phase. Listen to me. I went from the halfway house on a bicycle to the co-pastor of the church in like four years. Hypermania. I can get it done, baby. It felt rewarding to me. I thought it was the right track. I didn't realize I was killing everybody around me. <laughs> Todd said, preach. You fired. <laughs> you fired. <laughs> we, we say, oh, this is, what, this is what I used to say. Okay. And somebody's going to know I'm poking at them here, but that's okay. Because when I was a kid, and this wasn't talked about, and we saw this in my dad, <laughs> um, they would say he's a workaholic. But I, but I, but I watched how he was successful and how he had things and we had things and the other and, and and then I accepted it well the reward of being this way is is the result that you get this and I said okay that's a good trade so I would say I'm a workaholic no you're a maniac <laughs> you up at two o'clock in the morning 
Still working? <laughs> okay, bro, we can get you a better rhythm. I promise. Let me just help you because I'm there. What happens after that hypomania is that lethargy begins to set in, that come down, the serotonin changes, the dopamine changes, the glutamine changes. All right, and there's two more, norepinephrine and acetylcholine. Give it to me, acetylcholine. Yes, these chemicals start changing, and you start coming down, and you'll bring you into a place of depression. It's not common for a person experiencing these dopamine changes, these, these, these neurotransmitter changes, to barely even have enough energy to get out of bed. Even for the most basic chores, they become difficult, if not impossible. Plans up being avoided. Increased sleep only makes you more tired. Feelings of worthlessness and hopelessness begin to crowd in on you. Were suicidal thoughts and heightened awareness of your own demise starts choking out the life inside of you. The most complex and the most damaging is the mixture of the two. This state is the most dangerous in the mind of hypomaniac, but in the body brings depression. So the mind is experiencing this hypermania, the body is experiencing this depression. Thoughts are rapidly cycling but there's no energy or will to carry them out. Irritability, irrationality are at an all-time high as the person is easily upset and takes things more personally than him or her should. The person wants to sleep but often can't. They're restless. This state produces, again, just a, a, a dismal of rapid suicidal thoughts, feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness, and they become so overwhelming, oftentimes they're hard to combat. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. That's a little too serious, right? Just, just want you to understand a little bit about true bipolar disorder. Mania, depression, and the mixture of the two. I'm not sharing this today. Don't you walk out of here and say, I am this. Don't you, don't you look at somebody and say, you are that. that. That's not how this works. You may see some of this in them. You may see some of this in you. I'm going to point you in the right direction when we get into point two here in a minute, where to go to find real solution and real answers, both in the, in the Bible and in the services that exist out there for us today. But don't, don't, don't just self-diagnose. It, it don't work that way. And, and don't playfully self-diagnose somebody else. I, I just want you to understand some of this because knowledge is power. It, it's not talked about. We, we need to know about this. We, we need to know this so we could recognize this. Be aware of ourselves. Here's a couple of things that, that I want to share back on the subject of just mountaintops and valleys. Mountaintops and valleys. Here's what I've come to know in my walk of faith. Mountaintops, like Mount Sinai, are the times that I go up to meet God. Pastor Chad, he, he, I, I don't have to ask him. I really don't, because I know. I, I, we've been together so long. Um, Pastor Chad leads worship every Sunday morning. He, he experiences his low low if, if this isn't accomplished. He sets up worship in order to take you to a Mount Sinai. He, he wants you to have a mountaintop experience with God. That, that, that is 
one of the cores, I wouldn't say the crux, but, but one of the cores of what I know his heart wants for you. The mountaintops are where you go up to meet God. But let me tell you about the valleys. I have discovered, Jamarcus, that the valleys is where God comes down to meet you. I, I have discovered laying on the jail cell floor at 19 years old, a three-time convicted felon, a two-time violent offender. I, I, I found the article. I found the article the other day. I was digging through some stuff when my dad died, and, and I found the article of my arrest when I was 18 years old for the murder charge. And I took a picture of it. Chad, Chad used to mess with me and say, somebody said that didn't really happen to you. Said, okay. <laughs> and I almost posted it today. Just, just as a simple reminder, when nobody wanted nothing to do with me, when, when, when I wasn't worth saving, when, when honestly, I, I didn't even know how to respond. I didn't, I didn't know how to be right. I didn't know how to get right. I, I didn't know. I, I was so lost, so broken, so hurt, so addicted, so confused. In that moment, God came to me and I didn't have answers. And, and without that experience in my life, which I'm ashamed of and wish never, I wish there would have been a different route for me, but I have to learn by the school of hard knocks. God came to me in that valley. And I don't know if you're in a valley in your marriage, but I'm telling you, you may not have gone up to meet God today in worship, but don't be surprised if you leave here in this week, God comes down to meet you. That's the God I serve. That's the God I know. We may enjoy, how many of you enjoy the mountaintops more than anything? But let me tell you something. I know more about God from the valleys than I know from the mountaintops. Some people know about God. Some people know the ways of God. Israel knew about God. Moses knew the ways of God. You know where Moses learned that? <laughs> Standing out there in front of that Red Sea with the millions of people behind him going, now you want me to hold what? <laughs> this piece of wood out here over this water? <laughs> Lord, I hope they don't kill me. I wish you would kill me. <laughs> it was those hard times. That Moses learned the ways of God. The ways of God. Let, let me give you one more. Pastor Chad, God, I don't want to quit. Oh, man. <sighs> Pastor Chad, I'm going to get you to come, though, so I can keep half of my staff that works in the littles in the children's area. <laughs> funny, funny, why Pastor Chad's coming. Somebody, I knew this was going to come up. They said, oh, we saw you preach the most powerful message in 11 minutes, eight minutes. <laughs> I said, if we go to eight-minute sermons, we go into seven services. So you pick your poison. <laughs> Either you give me two times for 40 minutes or you give me seven times for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's going to be from 6 a.m. to 2 in the afternoon, one way or the other, however you cut it. <laughs> you can get them in 10-minute increments or you can get them in two forties. <laughs> While the mountaintops and valleys are normal parts of the Christian experience, it's also, listen to me, very important to know the difference between normal highs and lows and genuine mental health issues. Okay? There's some similarities. There's some overlap where they kind of look the same. 
But scientifically, clinically, listen to me, they are not the same. There are good people in this room. And, 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 and the high highs, low lows, mountaintops, valleys, bipolar. I, I even, I'm hesitant to use the word disorder. Now, you know I'm an overachiever, right? At everything. If I get into it, I'm into it. I got some brothers in here. They're the same by anything. Their wives are like, oh, God, please don't get interested in that. We'll be broke. He'll have seven of them. We'll, they all know who I'm talking about right now. I don't even have to say nothing. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is all over. Their wives are speaking in tongues right now. Saying, Lord, free him, free him, free him, break him. Brooke is definitely praying right now. So I was sitting with a counselor. It's a couple years back. And, and Brooke was like, when, when you start this conversation, you, you can't be Pastor John. You, you can't be the boss. You can't be... You, you got to be like, okay, I'm here for you to help me. What do I do? And, and so, God, it was so hard. I think I wasted like three sessions being Pastor John, being the boss, telling him what to do until finally I was like, okay, I repent. I'm sorry. Now, what you want me to do? He's like, thank you. Uh, I think we should start with some tests. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's a test, right? It's an overachiever. So he, it's all in code. And the statements are in English. But the tests they're giving me are codes. I don't know what these codes mean. It's like J-H-T-P. So I'm like, it's asking these questions. And I'm like, so I start adding up. I ask like five questions and I add up my score. Best score is like a 50 and I'm like a 48. I'm like, I'm like, take another. It's like, oh, this is, and I'm like, the best part is this is true. Like 50, I got 50 out of 50 on this one. So, so I start going through and I make it to all seven, eight, nine of them. We finish. And he says, bring it back for homework. So we bring it back for homework. Next time I'm talking with him, great guy. And um, we go through them. And, and I was like, okay, I just have one question now. What, what did this mean? And he was like, oh, these are personality disorders. And out of 10 of them, you have eight. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like okay, what, 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 what is this? What, what is this? What does this code mean? He was like, he's like, oh, that's OCD. I was like, I scored 50 on them. He's like, I feel sorry for people around you. <laughs> he was like, we got to help you control that. He's like, it's, it's performing for you and you've gotten ahead in life, but you're killing folks around you, brother. And they're just scared to tell you. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, what's, what, um, what's this mean? He's like, that means perfectionist. And, and I'm going to stop right there. And, and, and so by this, my, all the blood's running out of my face. I'm, I'm coming off this high, high, slipping into this low, low. Like I thought I was, I thought the 50 was good. The one would have been great. <laughs> and he said, listen, listen, let me, he said, I see it hitting you. He said, just let me help you for a minute. He's like, we, we, we use the term disorder, but you have to understand there is no normal. He, he, he said, there, there, there's, there's no, this is, this is the, the sample. This is the specimen. This is the perfect one. He, he's like, everybody has some form of these disorders. He said, now in your case, some of them are a little, I was like, oh, okay. Back to a low, low. 
they're different. High highs and low lows. Normal. Mountaintops, valleys. God's got solutions for you when you go through them. People that really experience some of these personality quarks, traits, disorders, neurotransmitter, chemical deficiencies in your brain, they are real, homeboy. And you can't walk over and flip a switch and make that change. Golly. It's too much. It's too much. I trust your Holy Spirit. I'm going to finish next week. I'm going to finish next week. I'm going to give you the solutions next week. Would you just put number two? That's what it was. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just, Just put number two. Self-care is essential for long-term success. You know, we, we've got this thing. This is free. This is in closing. It's not even in the notes. We've got this thing we used to say in the Bible Belt in the South. What's joy stand for? It's the recipe for life. What's joy stand for? Say it, say it, Mr. Yeah, yeah, that's my boy right there. Look at you, James McCorry. Oh, Jesus, other self. Anybody ever heard that? Joy. Joy stands for this is the recipe for life. Put Jesus first, other second, and your third always last. And, and yourself always last third. Anybody ever heard that? Any, anybody ever bought into that? Anybody ever subscribed to that terrible philosophy? <laughs> I did. If you don't take care of you, homeboy, you can't love Jesus. If you don't take care of you, you ain't no good to your wife. If you don't take care of you, you ain't no good to your children. Now, I didn't say score 50 out of 50 on being narcissistic. That's one, too. Listen, there's a Rich Wilkerson Jr. said this this past week in a, in a leadership post that he made. It's great. I want you to be self-aware, but not self-absorbed. There, there, there's a difference. Be a self-aware leader. See your strengths, see your weaknesses. Do, do, say I have weaknesses. I, I, I may, pastor may not have hit on it today, but they come and just hang around. Mind matters. We're going to go for a few weeks. You, you have them. We just hadn't touched on it yet. One of the very first ways for you to address that is to become aware of that. Can I tell the water balloon story? It ain't going to make nobody look bad except me. Jennifer Edwards, I'm going to kill you. I came home from counseling one day. I don't know why Miss Rhonda likes to buy my kids them little water balloon things that blow up 700 water balloons all at the same time. And they're pink purple, red, yellow, green, orange. I drive up in the driveway and y'all, them 700 water balloons are stuck on the side of my house, on my concrete, in my yard. Everybody's like, how you get such a good tan? Son, it takes me eight hours to mow my grass. I mean, Brooke's like, it really wouldn't if you didn't mow it so perfectly. But I mean, since, you know, (laughs) I got the little edges she's like you do know we live in the country it don't have to look like we live in town ain't no best yard 
of the month award out here. <laughs> you know, ain't no, ain't no HOA coming by to pin your ribbon on your yard, homeboy. <laughs> and them little water balloons, they're in the gutters, they in the ant beds, they on the house, they on the roof. I just left counseling. <laughs> Who put these water balloons out of <laughs> Now I ain't cuss. <laughs> She was like, oh, I know you didn't. I, I walked around the house, act like I was getting something. Pastor Chad, I stood back there and I said, I just left counseling. Funny as why did I do that? I said, I don't even care about the water balloons. What in the world am I mad about? Because everything wasn't perfect. Listen to me. I ain't on a rabbit trail. I know what I'm talking about. This is real to me. Your issue may not be my issue. My issue may not be your issue. We all got issues. All got personality traits, quirks, disorders. When I became aware that I was doing that, I began to learn through cognitive therapy, cognitive thought processes, that I'm doing that, become aware of that, change that. Whereas before, I didn't even know I was doing I thought, I thought all y'all thought that way. <laughs> Only to wake up to the real world that nobody thinks that way. <laughs> Except me. No wonder it's been backwards for me my whole life. <laughs> me and my dad-in-law worked together. The very first time we ever worked together, he came home and told him. He said, I was doing something. He would move the cord. He would, that boy can work. I was thinking one step ahead of him. Like, what are you doing? I'll do the next thing. That's what you do. That's how I was raised. I didn't forget about you, Jennifer. Went to 4th of July Memorial Day or something at Jeff and Jennifer's house in the pool. And they had them water balloons. They were, I guess Rhonda sent them over there that day. <laughs> and my kids were breaking. And, and when it was over, they done broke 700 water balloons. And I'm like, God, here we go. Goose picking. <laughs> Anybody ever been in penitentiary? You know what goose picking is. <laughs> go, and Jennifer goes, why aren't you picking up them pieces of paper? I said, well, I wasn't going to leave them in your yard. She goes, they biodegradable. I said, I said, you mean to tell me I've been upset about these balloons my whole life and they are biodegradable? <laughs> Isn't that how the enemy will do you? Have you upset about something that ain't even worth being upset about? Make an issue out of something that ain't even an issue. Something. I'm like, oh my. You have to become aware. Self-care. Put it up there. Oh God, I want to I wanna go into it. I'm not going to today. I'm going to give it to you next week. I'm going to show you so much that the Bible says to do what's out there, what's available. It's spiritual, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's scientific. But listen to me. I want you to make a decision today and I'll go. I want you to make a decision today. A decision today to say, I am ready to get healthy I am ready to get out of the dysfunction I'm ready there is hope there is freedom there is help it's not taboo Miss Rhonda you take eye drops for your eyes that don't mean you don't have faith that don't mean you don't have God if somebody ruptures with a appendicitis in here today we're going to get you to the hospital, partner, and get that appendix out. If Carrie Black falls down dead of massive 
stroke, heart attack in the parking lot. We're going to do CPR till we break your ribs, till we get you back alive. I'm not going to stand up in here and say, well, he's not, he's not, he don't, he's not a real Christian because he had to have the doctor. What? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. You weren't born knowing everything about everything. You ready for this? There's some things you don't know. And there's some people out there that know what you don't know, and they can help people around you. Be free, be better, know more than they know now by becoming aware. Now, God's Word has answers. God's Word has solutions, ways that we can sustain. Listen, put it back up there. Self-care is essential for long-term success. We, 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 We don't want to just keep going back We want long-term victory. We want long-term success. We want freedom from the, and God's word can show you how to maintain that, maintenance that, so that you keep what ends up being restored and healed in your life. Who's coming back next week? Mind matters. Mind matters. Amen or oh me? Right church or wrong church?